Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. We are live. We are on the air. It is a big day to talk soccer in America because soccer is on the rise in America. Soccer is getting bigger every day in America. I don't know. I was going to go on some patriotic-themed soccer thing there, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, uh, I will set us up for today. Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com will join us in just a couple of minutes. He's in Canada. He has partaken in the United States Women's National Team victory over Australia, where he has witnessed it firsthand. He will give us his insights into that victory, the tournament overall so far. There's been some fantastic soccer. There's been some brilliant individual performances. Yesterday was was fantastic. You had uh, Sweden and Nigeria playing to a 3-3 draw in Group D. And then the United States and Australia going at it. The Aussies were very good for a half of football, a half of soccer up there in Winnipeg. If not for uh, Hope Solo, one controversial Hope Solo, the United States may have been in big, big trouble. Mega Rapino, two goals. Christian Press with a goal. The United States women's national team starts off unimpressive for a lot of it, but it doesn't matter. You get the three points, and that's what matters. Top of Group D after one match. Sweden on Friday. Gigantic game against Sweden on Friday. I will be on the air at Rabble.tv talking about that game. So you should join me at Rabble.tv to talk about that game. 7.45 Eastern. P to the T. Yeah, I believe that's right. Uh, We had some comments from President Barack Obama yesterday about FIFA. I got some of that here. With respect to FIFA, I cannot comment on a pending case uh, by our Attorney General. Uh, I will say that uh, in conversations I've had here uh, in Europe, uh, people think it is very important for FIFA to be able to operate uh, with integrity uh, and transparency and accountability. Uh, and so uh, as, the, uh, as the investigation uh, and charges uh, proceed, uh, I think we have to keep in mind that although you know, football, soccer, depending on uh, which side of the Atlantic you, you live on, uh, is a game, uh, it's a, also a massive business. It is a source of incredible national pride, uh, and people want to make sure that it operates with integrity. Uh, the United States, by the way, since we keep on getting better and better at each World Cup, uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, uh, you know a sport that's gaining popularity uh, is conducted in a uh, in a uh, upright manner. A couple of interesting things there. Mostly that he called it football to start with. Obviously, pandering to the crowd there. And I'm, where where was he exactly? He was at the G7 summit in Germany. There you go. I've seen some pictures of him discussing things with Andrea Merkel. So I'm sure that's all about the soccer and the corruption at FIFA and trying to to, to fix that issue and the the Justice Department's role and all of it. Probably not, but some of it might be. He called it football. He said football or soccer. And look, as he said, he can't really comment on the investigation uh, specifically, but it's, uh, it's interesting that he's having discussions with people at G7 over FIFA and their malfeasance and trying to clean that up. The latest in, in that 
area, by the way, the, lead, the latest detail in FIFA Apocalypse is that Jack Warner is being investigated for diverting Haitian earthquake aid funds to his own personal use in the amount of $750,000. If you needed any other evidence that Jack Warner is a piece of dung, there you go. Not only did he steal repeatedly from the world's game and benefit personally from directing soccer in an area, in a, war, in a part of the world that needed as much help as it could get to improve the level of the game there. He diverted funds that were donated by FIFA and the South uh, Korean Football Association into his own pocket that were meant to go to Haitian, uh, to the Haitian people after that earthquake. That devastating earthquake that crippled a nation. That people of the Caribbean who Jack Warner should have some, some sense of brotherhood with. He directed those funds into his own pocket. So I hope the man goes down. I hope he's put in jail for, uh, let's say, the rest of his life. Because he doesn't have that much longer. Let's be honest about that. Big news out of the District of Columbia. Remember we talked last week about how uh, D.C. United officials were meeting with Virginia officials, including Governor Terry McAuliffe and officials from Loudoun County, Virginia, which happens to be where I'm sitting right now, over a possible move of the stadium plan to Loudoun County, which is an exurb. We're not even talking suburb, really. We're talking exurb. We're talking hour, an hour to D.C., 40 miles as the fly crow, as the, as the fly crows, as the crow flies. That's what I meant to say. He put all that to rest. The, the District of Columbia has reached a final deal with DC United over the Buzzard Point Stadium plan. There's been some moving of uh, responsibility when it comes to cost overruns. They're talking about the MNO domain issues that still impact uh, getting all of the land necessary. To build the stadium, they set a timeline that, uh, that, the, the, that the team wanted to get done, and it looks like this is going to squash any notion that DC will not be playing in the District of Columbia for the foreseeable future. Uh, this is good news. This is good news for DC United. It's good news for MLS. Uh, it's certainly uh, good news for soccer fans in DC because, as much as I would love to have DC United in my own backyard here, that's just not the way to go. For the future of that club. Uh, this is not news, but we'll go ahead and mention it here. Jurgen Klinsmann comments to a German paper saying that he believes that MLS needs promotion and relegation. I got up at si- half past six in the morning to see their final match of the season in Paderborn. He's talking about Stuttgart. That, uh, that clubs like Stuttgart were down there shows how close the Bundesliga is, how much quality. It has. The thrill of the relegation battle is non-existent in the U.S. League. The risk for club investors to all of a sudden play in the second league would be too high, but the sporting side would benefit from it. Our players from Europe know that. That furthers our national team. Something is at stake week in, week out. Be at the top or the bottom, you always have to perform. These, again, this is not new from Jürgen Klinsmann, and if he, uh, whether or not he is right on the sporting side, and I would argue he's probably right on the sporting side, it doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. It's fine for him to talk about it. I don't think his individual pressure is going to uh, convince anybody that's invested millions of dollars in Major League Soccer that it's time to institute a promotion and relegation plan. Maybe. Hold on. Let me get in my time machine. 
2065. That's when it happens, people. It, I just figured it out. 2065. That's when promotion relegations happen, happens in the United States. We can put the issue to rest. Let's take a break. When we come back, Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com covering the Women's World Cup in Canada. We'll give in, he'll give us his insight into the U.S. Uh, start to this campaign. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Talking too loud. This Friday, the U.S. women's team plays Sweden in a game that will be televised live on free-to-air U.S. television in prime time. It will arguably be the most competitive game from the first round of the tournament, and I'll be sharing my thoughts and opinions about the clash live on Rabble.tv. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Plus, I'll be talking you through the game as we watch two of the best teams in the world compete on the field. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board. Then listen live via the app on Friday. So mark your calendars for Friday, June 12th at 7.45 Eastern. Celebrate the U.S. game against Sweden by cheering on the red, white, and blue with me live on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Let's talk some Women's World Cup with our friend Jonathan Tannewald live from Winnipeg. Where is Winnipeg? What? What? I I get my provinces messed up, Jonathan. Where is it? That would be Manitoba. Manitoba. My instinct said Manitoba, and I was going to say Manitoba, but I didn't want to offend anyone in Canada. With my poor geography. Seven hours north of Minneapolis by car. Okay. In the great plains of Canada, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, Jonathan Tannewald, uh, Women's World Cup underway this weekend. Uh, let's start with the United States who opened up their campa- campaign yesterday uh, against, um, against Australia, Jonathan. It was not the most impressive performance, and yet when you get done and the, uh, the whistle blows and the scoreline says 3-1 to the U.S., I'm not sure how you really get too upset about that. Oh, I could get upset about it if you really wanted me to. Uh, hey, um, you, you know, that's your job. First, you're, of, you're, you're, first, first of all, yeah. thank you for not asking me about your Clinton promotion. <laughs> I just, just, Jonathan, I just went in my time machine. It's 2065. I've already settled the issue. We can move along. So, here's the thing about last night. Megan Rapinoe is really good. Let's start with that. Um, the rest of the team, not so much. Well, Hope Solo is really good too, Jonathan. Yes, right, exactly. Hope Solo is really good. Everybody else struggled. Allie Krieger had a nightmare of a game against Samantha Kerr. Just got burned down that side four or five times. Um, and there was... Look, I'm, I'm no tactical cognoscenti type the way that the Will Parchments of the world are, but even I could see that there was an enormous gap in the center and midfield that uh, 
Australia was exploiting repeatedly. I think everybody uh, saw that, Jonathan. Whether you were a, whether you're a tactics snob or not, you could draw a big circle and make a, a smiley face. It took out half your took up half your television. Right, um, that's a problem. And I'm going to say this, and it might not be polite. That problem is caused in part by Abby Wambach. Uh huh. Because um, when she's on the field, when she's on the field for 90 minutes, it, if you're going to play Sidney LaRue next to her, which in a lot of ways makes sense, it, it shoves Kristen Press back into the midfield that, that knocks Morgan Bryan off the park. Um, and it makes it more difficult for them to control possession, you know, to control the ball, you know, in that part of the part of the field and you know brian sorry brian, brian press you know is not somebody who's supposed to be out there for her defensive skills so you got krieger pretty much all alone on that right side no wonder she was getting burnt she didn't have much help the tactics are certainly a talking point today jonathan um you know the united states ultimately won on individual brilliance with uh with megan rapino and, and hope solo certainly and through their superior Preparation and 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 uh, and fitness. Clearly, the the Aussies really ran themselves out of that game, um, and and then so so this brings us to the larger question of whether or not this team can get it together and can play better soccer in time to go and try to win a World Cup. Because the the consensus seems to be if they play like this, they're going to get knocked out by the first top four team that they face, and and we know they're lined up to face one of those teams pretty soon a- after the group stage ends. Well, they're lined up to face one of those teams in the group stage itself. Well, sure, but but they can still get out of the group and, and go into the knockout rounds even if they lose to Sweden. Oh, oh, sure. But, and, and look, the way Sweden played last week, who knows what's going to happen in that game. Sweden did not play well at all, which was very surprising. They got run over by Nigeria, which played one of the most free-spirited and enjoyable games of soccer I have seen out of any World Cup team, men's or women's, in quite some time. Um, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and a big benefit to the U.S. Oh, absolutely. Because now the U.S. is alone in first place. Um, if they beat Sweden, which all of a sudden looks pretty beatable, um, you know, they, they've, I would think, almost certainly got the group in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, which will be a real privilege and hopefully take some of the pressure off them going into Vancouver, which you know is going to have, you know, 50,000 some odd fans, almost probably a sellout at BC Place and all from you for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how Nigeria is going to be able to handle that uh, kind of spotlight if they only need, you know, a point, for example, uh, to make it into the knockout uh, Jonathan, let, let, let's talk about the, the makeup of this team as they get ready to face Sweden on Friday after that win and what that illustrated to everyone watching uh, that's, you know, that's concerned with more than just the three points. Uh, a, a couple of, of names come to mind as potential. Well, first of all, Alex Morgan, if she can get fully healthy. I don't know that's possible, and, and I would love to get your insight there. And then the Abi Wambach factor. We know that this is a team that, you know, Things are not always as simple as they seem. You imagine, okay, they're not as effective with with Wambach on the field for ninety minutes 
Ellis should just you know sit her down, use her as a substitute. She's 33 years old. She can play a role in this team, but maybe she doesn't start. And yet there's politics here. But maybe she doesn't start, you said. Right. Um, was, was anybody out there, and I'll ask the listeners to chime in on this too on Twitter if they're so inclined. Was anybody out there surprised that Wombach started? I don't think they would be, no. Okay, well. Um, I was a little surprised that she went all 90 minutes. But, you know, it is, it is, it's frustrating. I'll, I'll say it. It's frustrating. And it's nothing <laughs> against Lombard, per se. It's probably more on Ellis. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, I think that if this... And, and let's not be super negative here. They have three points. They're set up very nicely in yes, the group. That's right. Everything no, is that's right. Everything looks okay right now. We are just being picky because we see more potential than is being utilized in this team. But if they fail in this tournament, they come up short of their goal, which is to win. But if even if they come short of say the short of the final or short of a semi, then I absolutely think some of the criticism should be levied at, at Abi Wambach, who has shown a propensity, and you know this better than I do, and certainly from the people you talk to more regularly than I do, you know that she holds an undue influence over the, the this team that could be the thing that derails them. Oh, I no, I think that's absolutely true. But, I mean, look, it comes back on a lot of people if either Ellis believes that she's best served with Wombach playing 90 minutes, or Ellis somehow does not have the ability to get through to Wombach and say, no, you're not starting, you're not playing. Because I think the, indica- the indication of what this team can really do in this World Cup and how this team can win the whole thing was that the one shot that Kristen Press had to really play striker in the game, the one moment where she made, came up the middle, LaRue sort of hitting the Australians with a taste of their own medicine, as I wrote in my game recap in the Inquirer, just got free on the left side, blew off, the, you know, threw the Jets down, squared for Press, and in what Press said was a moment of 100% instinct, she hit it first time and into the corner and let it win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's see more of that. And it's a little tough to see more of that when Wombach's playing the place on the field that makes a lot of sense for Press to be in. Uh, okay, let's let's come back to another element of this team that, that I've seen discussed a little bit, Jonathan. You give us in your, your insight here on, uh, again, from the people that you've talked to and, and maybe from uh, what Ellis has said uh, in the aftermath of, the, of that win, this, the, the issue seems to be, again, that, that large gap between the midfield and the back line. There's no one there covering that space. There's no one protecting that back line. How does, how does Ellis address that? What would your suggestion be? What have you heard as the possibility? Uh, my suggestion would be that the horses left the barn um, because I'm not entire. I mean, look, of the players that they have on the roster, Shannon Box is the answer. But I don't think that the true answer is on this roster. That's too bad. Um, there, there. Look, there are ways to do it. It might mean 
with withdrawing Carly Lloyd a little more instead of withdrawing Lauren Holiday. Because mm-hmm. um, Lauren Holiday is not a defensive midfielder, truly. Jill Ellis is trying to make her into one. Um, and I don't know. There's If you want to be really completely gender neutral, isn't there a little bit of a track record now with American coaches trying to refashion midfielders in the wrong positions? Yeah, yeah, there is. And, and you know... Um uh, in addition to just their basic tactical issues, there is also the argument that the United States, and this may not even be Jill Ellis's fault entirely, is regressive and has not yet taken a step forward with the rest of the women's game, uh, still playing a, a very direct physical style that uh, that everybody else is sort of saying that you know that oh, that's that was fine for the first twenty years of this thing. Let's move on. Um, is there any sense that if forget? Okay, let's forget whether or not Shannon Box should be playing, or if there isn't a defensive midfield option in this team. Can you reform in this team in a way that allows for better possession, ball movement, more intricate passing, um, less direct play, or is that just what you have to do with Wambach and Larue and and even Morgan on the roster? Oh, I think absolutely, sure. Um, but again. It, it, the reason why so much of that comes back to Wambach is not simply, you know, the sort of tactical stuff that sometimes is over my head. But from a simpler perspective, her being on the field either pushes Kristen Press back to midfield and takes Morgan Bryant out, or takes Kristen Press off the field and knocks Morgan Bryant out. Or sorry, anyway, you guys get the idea. You get you get the idea. What, you can only play one of Kristen Press and Morgan Bryant. Right, exactly. You've got Abby Wambach up there with Sydney Lewis. Now, if Morgan's he- if Alex Morgan is healthy, if they were playing, say, Morgan and Press, or even Morgan and Larue together, and you had Rapino, um, Holiday, Lloyd, and Bryant as the four in the midfield, there's enough possession skill in there. Maybe not a lot of there might not be enough defense, but there's still enough possession skill at least to keep the ball for a while mm-hmm. and and have that be a form of defending in and of itself. As well. It certainly it certainly in, it looked to me yesterday as if there was no concern for t- now. I imagine they had the possession advantage over Australia, but it did not look to me like there was any concern in trying to slow things down and and hold on to the ball and probe the Australian because the Australia. It just didn't look like they were being very smart about it. It was very much, let's rush up the field. Uh, there were a lot of turnovers. I mean, as, as well as, as Rapino played and as much praise as she gets for the two goals, Jonathan, she wasted plenty of chances to cross the ball into the box. She gave the ball away numerous times. This was something that affected everybody, and I don't understand how this team, with a skill level that is at least above the uh, you know the Australias of the world if even if it's behind Japan and Germany and, and perhaps France why they can't decide let's pos- let's possess the ball let's let's look for some combinations here rather than let's you know hoof the ball up to Wambach try to get a ball knocked down and, and, and a, 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 a you know get those second balls well I think for Pino herself said it last night I'm going to read a quote from her um we can be a lot better in possession and a lot more confident on the ball. We got, got caught going long when we needed to settle down. Jill Ellis said, I, don't, I didn't think we played with a rhythm and sense of calmness. Well, you know. Okay, how do you make that happen? 
That's 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 <laughs> my question. The answer already, especially against Sweden now, because you're you're going to be going you you are you're you're going up against a an opponent who is not going to seed the ball to you this time, and it's going to be pretty angry. Well, and that's, really that too. To win the game. That too. I mean, and you know, it, it's going to be fascinating to see because, again, the Aussies score one goal, but we can certainly argue that the U.S. the back line did not play well. They were they were left, they were hung out to dry by a midfield that was uh, MIA, and now you go into a game against a Sweden team that gave up three goals to Nigeria is going to be anxious to try to shore things up. Is this going to be? Are we going to see a stalemate sort of match, one nothing on Friday? I think it's possible. Um... And it, it could lend itself to a situation um, that I think we saw some of last night, to go back to a point you made a moment ago, uh, which is possibly Rupino feeling like she had to do it all herself. Mm. And I got a little bit of that sense with some of the shots that she was taking and things like that. This is a, it's a fascinating team to watch. Um, look, starting off with three points is, is, is a good thing. They needed, the, especially in light of the draw earlier in the day, to have three points going into the second round of games is massive for the United States. If they can win this group, that sets them up much better uh, in the knockout rounds than if they finish second or even, you know, God forbid, they finish third somehow. I think that's probably impossible at this point, but we'll see. Uh, Jonathan, let's let's take a quick tour around the rest of the tournament so far because I know you're there in Winnipeg with the United States, but uh, we've already seen some pretty interesting things happen um, in this tournament. Some names step up. You mentioned Nigeria. Let's let's just give some some love where it's due at this point. Oh, what a game that was! One of the best, certainly women's World Cup games that I have seen, and one of the best just soccer games straight up I have seen. Uh, in a while, and and give by the way, you Jason, you you've been in the Washington area uh, long enough to perhaps have heard the name Rex Barney, the former public address announcer at Camden Yards in Baltimore, to quote his old saying, uh, in honor of the Nigerian trumpeter uh, who did not stop playing all day yesterday. <laughs> give that fan a contract. They, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, they really. Uh, they really had a lot of fun yesterday. Their players, their fans, it was great to see. And uh, everybody really enjoyed it. Um, and, and to me, you know, yes, Germany scored a lot of goals. Yes, Norway scored a lot of goals. Yes, those, you know, Ivory Coast and Thailand were overmatched, of course. But just to see the, the free-spiritedness that Nigeria played with uh, was such a treat. It really was. And, you know, there's been, I mean, obviously Nigeria's got some talent. They, they went toe-to-toe with a, a very strong team in, in Sweden. But there's been some discussion, Jonathan, about, the, uh, about growing this tournament to 24 teams. And as you mentioned, the Ivy Coast gets blitzed by Germany. Sorry, that was the wrong choice of words. And Thailand, um, obviously. Blown out. Yeah. As, beaten by a wide margin. <laughs> there you go. Um, is there a sense there when you're talking to, to, to other journalists, when you're taking the, the, the temperature of the fans and everything, is there a sense that, that they've overreached with 24 teams and it would be better if it was 16? I, I think that I and the, the people who are here in Winnipeg are probably the wrong people to ask that question to. That question to because so many of us watch the women's game so much and want to see these nations get these opportunities 
and are of the view that is more inclined towards accepting the blowouts if it brings exposure and you know brings some chance yeah you know um you know the analogy obviously is the 15 or the 16 seed in an ncaa basketball tournament that has no shot of beating kentucky or teams like that that gets its moment in the spotlight before losing by 40 points mm. and that's you know the fun of the game is the chance that something might happen yeah, you know, if the, even if Ivory Coast had scored one goal against Germany, they would have gotten standing over there. Yes, right, and and they nearly did. Um, so you know, there's there. I I'm I'm inclined to that argument as well. I think you give these teams the opportunity, you give them the experience, you put them in that on that stage, and you give them a taste of of what is available to them, and you and then they go back home and they and they put their nose to the grindstone and they work to get better. I think that's better. I think that's a a, a smarter way to do it than, to, than being exclusive and holding them to some imaginary standard. Well, we'll let you in when you get, you know, when you get this much better. How does that, that's arbitrary. How do you even begin to to decide how much better they have to be before you're letting them in the, the party? I, I don't think you can be arbitrary in the way. And I think the, the other thing um, that you get with these teams being in the tournament is that you hope that it gets some attention for women's soccer um, back in the countries in question. Because, look, the, the cultural norms, the views of gender, things like that, in some of these places still aren't where they are in the United States and Canada and Western Europe yet. Um, so you, you hope that in places like Ivory Coast, uh, it gets some attention, it gets some you know, some help and maybe changes some views and maybe gets women's soccer more funding. I'll give you another example. Costa Rica is a big one. Uh, it sure would help CONCACAF if, if there was another uh, consistently strong and well-supported women's soccer program in the Confederation. And you have to hope with the Coast Confeder- Costa Rican Federation, uh, you know, yes, they're a little bit busy right now, and Eduardo Lee in particular is a little bit busy right now. But uh, you have to hope uh, that this helps. Uh, you know, it would be nice to, to really have the potential for a major upset here. I suppose if Nigeria had actually finished that off and beaten Sweden, that would have counted. Jonathan, are we, are we in line for any of those anytime soon? If England beats France, how much of an upset is it? Uh, mild. I think that's a mild upset. I think I think and look I think France will probably win that game but I think that's a, a, a game that people will be looking toward uh, to see whether there might be a little bit uh, of, of something somebody trying to knock the apple cart over here's, a, here's another game worth watching by the way I'm trying I'm pulling up um, the schedule on my phone real quick Uh of the games today. Mm-hmm. France, England is at 1 o'clock mm-hmm. uh, Eastern time. And then at 4 o'clock uh, on Fox Sports 1, uh, Spain, Costa Rica. Which is a game worth watching for a couple of reasons. One, it's the World Cup debut for both countries, which is pretty neat. And two, Spain has a really legitimate, serious superstar in Veronica Boquette. And she's a player who I think a lot of folks are going to be, are, are going to want to watch. And if, if Spain can play well today, get a win, um, get some confidence, 
they um, they're going to play Brazil on Saturday at four o'clock, mm-hmm. and Brazil is getting old in some key aspects of their team. They've you know underperformed a number of times uh, in recent Women's World Cups, and I wonder if Spain might be able to take a swing. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see. Her play, Bocchetti play, and what I've loved about this so far is, look, we know Marta's good. We know, you know, even Megan Rapinoe, we know she's, she's excellent. Uh, we know some of these stars, but to see, to see uh, Davana from Australia play the, as well as she did, she was brilliant. Bachman yesterday for the Swiss was, I mean, unfortunately they lost to Japan um, on a penalty, but the Swiss gave Japan all they could handle, and Bachman was amazing. That game was a lot closer than anybody thought of that any right to me. Uh, and the Swiss get a lot of credit for that. Let me give you one more game to watch on Monday, June 15th. So next Monday, Netherlands, Canada. I think people saw Vivian Nadima a bit uh, in the Dutch opener uh, against New Zealand. I think Canada's got to be a little careful in that game. Uh, they were clearly very nervous playing against China, mm-hmm. and if they can't get settled down and get in a rhythm, uh, you know, that, that game's going to be real tricky. Last thing here before I let you go, Jonathan, so you can go enjoy your uh, crawlers or bear claws or whatever the heck is on the menu up there <laughs> at the Tim Hortons. Um, Abi Wambach is probably the only person at this point still, um, you know, still going at the, uh, the turf issue in a major way. Uh, she's got comments about the turf. It's kind of a nightmare. Uh, it affects everything. The uh, way the wall bounces to the turf burns, blah, 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 blah. Is this just going to be a continuing thing for her, or the, is this going to rise up as an issue for everybody else? It didn't seem to be... Well, I'm sure it's no fun, and I know it's really hot down there in some of those, uh, some of those cities. It doesn't seem to be an overriding issue for these clubs. Or, sorry, countries. You know, I, I was unfortunately on a tight deadline last night. I was trying to get Kristen Press, and Wombach was you know, swarmed by so many reporters in the Knicks zone that I couldn't really get up to hear what she was saying. But the, the, the turf thing to me, look, and I, I, wrote, I wrote this on my blog a couple days ago. It's settled and everybody knows it, and you're just going to have to deal with the bouncing. The, the turf burning, you know, the, the, the effect of sliding on it, whatever else. The big thing now, and this came up um, on Sunday during the Norway-Thailand game, is the heat. Playing in the afternoon in the sun, the sun coming right down on the artificial turf when the, temp- the air temperature is in the 80s and the surface temperature gets up. I think Fox said it was somewhere around like 130 degrees or something like that. Um, and uh, Melissa Tancredi. Uh, Canadian star expressed some concern uh, about that in the lead up to the game, um, and that that to me, look, these players are used to playing artificial turf. They're never going to admit it because they don't want it. But they do it all the time. The bounce is the bounce, you know, the sliding is the sliding, mm. but the heat of the surface, right? Uh, that's an issue. That to me is an issue. That's not going away, and I think the U.S. actually got a little lucky last night because they the kickoff was late enough in the day, and it was overcast uh, instead of being really sunny. Yeah. 
So uh, that uh, that made it a little easier for me. Jonathan Tannewald, Philly.com. He's in Canada covering the Women's World Cup and doing a fantastic job. If you haven't listened to the Women's World Cup special on Backheel.com, you need to go check that out. Um, it's obviously pre, you know, recorded prior to the events of the U.S., but certainly worth listening to. Jonathan talks to Jeff Kasuf, uh, Kat uh, Whitehill, and, and uh, J.P. Delacamera, I believe, is the uh, lineup there. Jonathan, um, enjoy your time. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you very soon and, and continue to cover uh, the Women's World Cup with you. I am, uh, I am doing my best to find things here to enjoy. All right, I'm being told that the maple dip is what you're supposed to get, so I guess you're getting a maple dip. I'll, I'll try to find it. <laughs> All right, there you go. Jonathan, appreciate it, sir. Let's take a break. When we come back, phone lines will be open. We'll talk to you about this tournament and anything else on your mind. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Friday, the U.S. women's team plays Sweden in a game that will be televised live on free-to-air U.S. television in prime time. It will arguably be the most competitive game from the first round of the tournament, and I'll be sharing my thoughts and opinions about the clash live on Rabble.tv. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Plus, I'll be talking you through the game as we watch two of the best teams in the world compete on the field. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board. Then listen live via the app on Friday. So mark your calendars for Friday, June 12th at 7.45 Eastern. Celebrate the U.S. game against Sweden by cheering on the red, white, and blue with me live on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning on a Tuesday. U.S. women three points in the column, the important column, the points column at the Women's World Cup in Canada as they get underway in Group D, the most difficult group in the tournament by a large stretch. Based on yesterday's uh, developments with Sweden drawing with, uh, with Nigeria 3-3, the United States struggling against Australia, at least for a half. Clearly, that's the most difficult group. The Australians, by the way, just a wee bit bitter today. Just a wee bit bitter. Phone line 646-832-3909. And while I wait for you to line up with your phone calls on the Women's World Cup and the way the U.S. played yesterday, and how much, how much praise we should be heaping on Megan Rapino and Hope Solo as a goalkeeper. Separate all that other stuff. Because you know what? doesn't matter right now. What matters is that she's the best goalkeeper in the world. And if not for Hope Solo, the United States is in big trouble last night. Big trouble. Big, big trouble. She kept them in that game in the first half. That's what allowed Rapino and Preston Rapino again to give the United States the win that they needed. Now, the as I said, the Aussies... A little salty about the way things went down yesterday. And this is from the official Football Australia website 
for the women's team in Australia. Matildas.footballaustralia.com.au. So it's official. This is the this is not some fan blog. This is the official website. Allow me to read to you from a piece entitled Australia vs. USA, Four Things We Learned by Staff Writer. Great name. Number one, the U.S. certainly like to talk a good game. Well, I'm sorry. Wait, I, I forgot the subheading. Number one, the U.S., well, they just aren't that good. The U.S. certainly like to talk a big game. The reality is that they play a fairly rudimentary bog standard 4-4-2. We're short of ideas going forward and outmaneuvered tactically. Play it long and look for the head of Wambach. Seems the, seems the default game plan for a team stuck in the past. World football has moved, in case Jill Ellis hasn't noticed. U.S. were outplayed by a better, smarter, footballing side, who were also without two certain starters in Polkinghorn and Keeper Williams before the Aussies ran out of gas. U.S. relied on the individual brilliance of Megan Rapino to win them this game, and hope Solo in the U.S. goal saved the Americans on numerous occasions in front of a vocal home crowd in Canada. If it wasn't for this world-class keeper... This could have been a different result. Now, I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. In fact, I'm not mad at you for this. This is not wrong. The United States is stuck tactically in the past. It, it does seem to be play it long and hope for the, to find the head of Wambach. It, it does. It seems that way. I can't hate on this. I mean, it's, it's salty as hell. It is really, really salty, but... You really can't argue with any of this stuff. I don't think you can. Before I get to number two, let's go to Daniel in Atlanta. What's up, Daniel? Hey, Jason. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, I was just calling to see, um, I was just calling to ask about the women's game. And do you think that FIFA is ready for a woman president? Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason that FIFA can't have a female president. No reason at all. Now, I don't know that I don't know that I don't know that all the crusty white people would have a crusty white men would be great with it, but but FIFA absolutely should could have a, a female president. Why not? Yeah, why not? You know, why why isn't the sky green? You know, why not? <laughs> I don't even know what that means, man. What else you got? I don't know what it means either. Um. I just wanted to talk like a little bit about um, the U.S. men's for tomorrow's match, and I know it's a meaningless friendly, but if they could get a draw or better, a win, what does it say about Klinsman actually doing something better for? I'll feel better about the Gold Cup for sure. I'll feel better about the Gold Cup if they can win. And I look, I'm going to because it's my job and because I watch entirely too much soccer, Daniel, I will break it down, I will review it, I will look at the tactics, I will consider the, the performances, I will look at the way Klinsman set them out and their attitude and all these things. And I will probably be critical in some areas because they're not a team that is always consistently good. But if they beat Germany after beating the Netherlands, coming back in that game, what am I going to say? Jurgen Klinsmann doesn't know what he's doing? No, I can't say that anymore. I, I can't say that. I, I have to agree that he's got them at least headed in some sort of positive direction that allows them to have the belief to beat two European giants in Europe. 
And 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 going back to that Friday match, I don't know if it was me, but I didn't think that they seemed tired. Like they didn't seemed overly worked. Um, That's like a good point. They usually would. You know, we 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 do we have criticized Klinsman in the past of overtraining, and and that leads to that fatigue in the second half. And you're right. You know, some of that's the, the substitutions. Bringing in Jordan Morris and DeAndre Yedlin and Danny Williams gave you fresh legs. But the rest of the team, Michael Bradley was still still running hard at the 91st minute. So, you know, clearly clearly they weren't as gassed as they have been. Maybe that's the short time frame. I, I don't know. I mean, though it seems like the longer Klinsman has with the team, the more likely he is to overtrain them. Yeah, as long as the U.S. doesn't concede a goal in the last 15, 20 minutes of the match, and if they're up, you know, it, it it's fine by me, but I just don't want them to get overly worked out like they did uh, during the World Cup or these past couple games where it just seemed very disappointing. Here's some interesting breaking news from Kyle McCarthy here on Twitter. Looks like Julian Green is not going to the Gold Cup. I'm a little surprised by that. I'm going to look at this story. <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann saying that, uh, that Julian Green will not be uh, in the Gold Cup. He needs a break. He needs a break now, Klinsman said, after a press conference in Cologne ahead of the match against Germany. We'll give him a break. He goes to Bayern Munich. Bayern will sort out where his next step will be. He keeps growing, so we'll leave him out of the Gold Cup, and we'll give him a break. That's how we manage, basically, a lot of our players who are not there yet. We manage their time. We manage their next step. We see, okay, it's a good time to bring him in. Maybe next time it's better to leave him out. So there you go. A little surprised Um, by that, but but probably the right thing for Julian Green. Go ahead. Yeah, just right quick. Um, he said Julian Green needs a break. What has he done at Hamburg? He hasn't done anything. No, this is and this is another true. thing. This is true. And maybe it's a I know, mental I thing. I, I don't know. Maybe he's not performing. You know, Klinsman does a decent job of sort of covering up some of the stuff that would be dirty laundry otherwise. He could come out and say Julian Green is not not playing well. He's training poorly. He looks like n- nothing like the player we saw last year, and we're not going to bring him in. But instead, he says he needs a break, and he is said, "Look, he's a twenty-year-old player. He does need to 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 grow a little bit as a player and as a person." And with that open spot, uh, how much do you put on Klinsman that he'll call up? Maybe Jordan Morris. I'm not on that Jordan Morris hype train, but how much do you think that he'll actually call in him? And since Julian is not coming, uh, it's it's very it's possible. I mean, based on how much he likes Jordan Morris, it's possible. I I think that makes. You know, it's an interesting thing for Jordan Morris to just be a national team player and a college kid, but, you know, Klinsman's a weird guy. Uh, when Coming back to Julian Green, I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is important for Julian Green to figure out his next club situation. So uh, Bayern Munich, you know, if it didn't work at Hamburg, well, maybe Bayern Munich can find him a better spot in 2015-16. Uh, exactly. Good luck to, to, to Julian Green and Morris and all the little kids that uh, Jordan that you're going to like. All those little um, kids. We'll talk to you later. All bye. right, bye. Thanks, Daniel, uh, Daniel in Atlanta. Let's go to number two on this list of thing, four things we learned according to the Aussies. Number two, Australia has developed into a world-class team. Technically gifted, tactically aware, good pressers, attacking intent, young, fearless. This team is fabulous to watch and has developed to a point where they are clearly a better footballing nation than the United States. How many times did they play through their lines? Hold possession in dangerous areas. Play out from the back. Being able to do this for 90 minutes is the next level for them. They didn't do it for 90 minutes, and that's why they lost. But, hey, there you go. The other two points, more individual uh, notes on some of the players. Probably not of interest to, uh, to an American crowd who's moved on from Australia. But there you go.
The Aussies just a wee bit bitter, declaring themselves a better footballing nation than the United States. Are we going to stand for that, people? Is that something we are going to abide by? Australia, a better footballing nation than the United States. I am incensed, if you can't tell from my voice. <laughs> I love it, though. Oops, I just uh, just hit the wrong thing. Let's uh, let's see if we can pull up Washington. My boy Washington up in NYC. What's up, Washington? Hey, what's up, Jason? How's it going? Uh, <laughs> listen, I just wanted to give a, a few counterpoints to that Australian uh, news report you were just quoting just now. Uh, I want a counterpoint for every point that they have. You know, point one, my counterpoint is three one. Point two, my counterpoint is three one. Point three and four, my <laughs> counterpoint is three one. My counterpoint, so yeah, right. Uh, let me say that. Let me. I'm going to say that slightly differently. I'm gonna, maybe my counterpoint is scoreboard. That's my counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not for nothing, saying that Hope, if it wasn't for Hope Solo, I mean, I could all credit to Hope Solo, she played great, okay, but saying if it wasn't for her, the game would be different, it's like the equivalent of saying if it wasn't for uh, Rapinoe scoring twice, the game would have been different. I know, she you know, job. she's part of the this, team. This is part of the thing that bothers me so much, Washington. In the world of soccer, we are so quick to sort of discount the goalkeeper as part of the team, as part of what makes the team good or bad or, or whatever. It's like he's he or she is sep- so separate that if there are a couple of great saves, like that, that somehow doesn't count as part of the team performance. It's so weird. Exactly. It's so weird. And I hate it when that happens. I hate it. It, 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 and I hate it when they do it to Tim Howard all the time. When every, in the last World Cup, they would say, oh, if it wasn't for Tim Howard, well, he's part of the team. He's part of the Hope team. Solo is part of the team. Part of the team. Um, <laughs> one other thing I wanted to point out, the, the, the last time I called, you had asked me, oh, if I was excited or if I had heard about uh, the, the, the rumors about Pirlo and NYCFC, and I told you I don't get excited, and this is the reason why. Did you read yesterday's Guardian? He's dismissing even coming over to MLS. I know. I, t- I talked about this on the serious show yesterday, I think, briefly. Uh, it, he, you know, but that's the thing, Look, I, I have to go back and read the story. I don't know what the direct quotes were. And obviously, they're translated. So what we have is right. the rumor starts, oh, he's coming to NYCFC. He's already agreed to a deal. And then it goes, okay, wait a second. Now the Aussies are interested in bringing him down, down there, and they're going to send some people to Milan. I actually saw that on Twitter. And then it's, oh, he's, he's denied that he's going to NYCFC. And yet I still see stuff bouncing around that says he's, you know, he's very likely to go or he could go or he's considering it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's this is the reason why I don't get excited. Until I, it, it, it's kind of like the stadium. You told me once, until you see a hole in the ground, don't get excited. Until I see him actually on the pitch yeah. with an NYCFC jersey on, these, I'm not getting excited. These are, these are, these are, my, these, these are my credos or whatever. I don't know. These are, these are my rules for getting too excited. One, as you said, holes in the ground for stadiums or, you know, shovels in the ground. Even that doesn't necessarily always mean a stadium's going up. But let's say shovels in the ground for a stadium and uh, a press conference in which the player is either holding up a jersey or a scarf. Those are the only ways that I okay. know those things are actually happening. That's I what I know. I can go with that. Yeah, there we go. Washington. <laughs> Take care, Jason. Appreciate the call, man. There you go. Washington up in... Uh, up in New York, it's uh, 646-832-3909. I'm just still uh, so, uh, so thrilled um, by this Australian response. And again, I don't want to seem like I'm pat- patronizing the Aussies. I'm not. They played really, really well 
for a for long stretches in that game, and the United States did not. And maybe if if the Aussies are a little bit better with their finishing, maybe if the United States doesn't have Hope Solo, and again, he's, she's part of the team, she's part of what makes them great, then they might win that game. But that next step, and and here, you know, the point about they, um, you know, if this team, if the Australians. How many times they play through the lines, hold possession in dangerous areas, play from out from the back, being able to do this for 90 minutes is the next level for them. No, I don't think that's the next level. I think the next level is the, the extra gear. It's not just doing it for 90 minutes. It's being able to step it up and finish three of those chances, get them around solo. It's making the United States pay for playing that poorly. That's the next level. And that's the difference between the top echelon of women's soccer and the second echelon of women's soccer. And the Australians are clearly in the second and moving up rapidly, at least with this young group of talent. And they have some incredibly fun, incredibly speedy players. And I, and I liked watching them play. And that was a great goal that they scored. It was a terrible defensive effort by the United States, but it was a great goal that they scored. The United States has that extra... They've been there before. They know how to get it done. They have that extra gear. They have Megan Rapino. That may not be enough against Sweden on Friday. And it certainly may not be enough when they get to the group stage. I'm sorry, the knockout stage. And it may not be enough against Nigeria based on what we saw from them. That, that's a good attacking team. They may punish the United States. 646 832 Three nine zero nine, Bill in Queens. What's up, my friend? Hey, Jason. Uh, watching the, uh, the the USA game last night, um, a couple of the color uh, commentators had noted how uh, Abby Wambach looked a little little rusty. Um, do you think that that kind of if if this level of, of play continues, do you think it would? Do you think her decision to sit out this first half of the NWSL season will? Proved to have been a mistake that she perhaps could use the extra reps and, and risk the possibility of, of getting injured and missing some of these games. You know the U.S. the U.S. plays enough that uh, I don't know that reps is really the issue. Um, you know she did not look sharp in that game. Maybe you could make that argument. I mean it's it's so tough to know, Bill. But she did not look sharp in that game. And at one point there was a set piece where Rapino put the ball exactly where it needed to be on the back post and. Wambach whiffed. Wambach just absolutely whiffed, and I was very surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was the one just watching on TV where where you just see it going and say, like, "Oh, perfect! This is a goal right here," and uh, and that's not a that's not a shot that I'm used to seeing Abby Wambach miss. So, so I mean, uh, you know, obviously she she knows better than than anybody else. Uh, you know what what she needs going into this tournament. But like you just said a minute ago with the, the quality opposition that we're up against in this group alone, uh, we certainly, uh, you know, uh, there may come a game where we we can't afford to miss shots like that. Yeah, I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And, you know, what's interesting is, and, and what I'm afraid of, Bill, is that this if this goes sideways at any point, and it certainly could against the Swedes, against the Nigerians, or even in the knockout rounds, this goes sideways, and Abby Wambeck is identified as part of the reason it did because either she's not playing well or the, the tactics from the team are, are not effective because of her presence, then we are going to have a full reckoning on her influence in this team. And, you know, people who know 
this team will tell you that you know the ouster of Tom Sermani was not uh, you know not the best the best look for the program, and that's nothing against Jill Ellis, who is you know innocent in that situation. But if that's if, if we're gonna have like a um, if if we're gonna do the autopsy of the U.S. Women's National Team if they fail to get where they they want to get in this tournament, it's not gonna be pretty. It's gonna it's gonna hurt. Indeed, man. And, and uh, real quick, uh, this week's also start of a uh, Cup of America. Who you got yes. winning the whole tournament? Uh, you know, I have to go read and, and to see what uh, Tim Vickery says because I'm a little behind the, the I'm, curve. I'm pulling for Chile, man. Chile's never well, won. Well, you know, they're the host nation. So, I, yeah, you can root for the host nation. I don't think there's anything. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know who my pick is, but I, I will root for Chile absolutely. And, and I'm always, I, All right. I'm always rooting for, you know, I'm rooting for the lesser. South like Venezuela is always somebody I root for a little bit because soccer is only now becoming a thing in, in Venezuela, and uh, you know forget the politics of it. That's a baseball country. I like when baseball countries do well in soccer. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks again for right. taking my call. Here goes, but, uh, take care, man. Bill in uh, Queens, six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. Stick around for a while. Take more of your phone calls if you have anything. I uh, got a couple of people hit me up on Twitter with the. The Jack Warner news, which I did address at the top of the show, but I'll recap here. Jack Warner, who if you did if you thought Jack Warner can't get dirtier than we than he already is, we already know he's a scumbag. He he, he just is the worst. If you didn't think Jack Warner could get any any worse, the, here comes the news that he it looks like he embezzled money meant to help the Haitian earthquake victims. That FIFA and the South, uh, the South Korean uh, Federation made a gift of $750,000 in total. I think it was half a million from the South Koreans, $250,000 from FIFA. They sent it along to Jack Warner, and he took it. He just flat took it. And that's, um, that's uh, mind-boggling. We're not talking about football money. We're not talking about, hey, let's go build a, a field here for the kids, which is bad enough. You taking money from a field for the kids is that's bad enough. But now you are taking money that's meant to help people whose lives are on the line, who are suffering from famine, famine and 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 polluted water because of uh, sewage lines and not having a roof over their heads or or oh my god, it just it makes you it, it makes you angry. You know, so much of this had been comical to this point. Especially if we imagine that some of this is victimless crimes. I mean, it's money that FIFA was making. You know, the ten million dollar bribe, for example, FIFA money going into somebody else's pocket who works for FIFA, who, who's part of FIFA. They're all corrupt. They're all jackasses. Whatever. It's hilarious. This goes on. This goes well beyond that level by miles. Now you're talking about hurting a humanitarian effort. Directly impacting a humanitarian. I mean, somebody go tell Josie Altidore about these allegations about Jack Warner. I'd love to get his comments. Josie busted his ass to raise money for Haiti. He's, he's obviously Haitian um, by blood. And he busted his ass to raise money for Haiti after this earthquake. And to hear that somebody connected to the game that he plays and loves is stealing from the humanitarian effort? Wow. 
I, I suppose we shouldn't be surprised, and yet I am, I'm, I'm, and I'm floored, floored. 646-832-3909. Continue discussing the U.S. women's national team. That's the big story right now. I, I know you got the U.S. men playing uh, Germany tomorrow. We'll certainly take more of a look at that game tomorrow and, and on uh, Thursday in, in review. You got the Copa America getting underway, as Bill said. I'll watch it. I'm not. I'm not up on who's. You know, I know Neymar's got something about Neymar's pushing Brazil into a new era. You know, you know Argentina and Messi and this, the the storyline there is Copa America is, is Messi's um, opportunity to you know uh, make his name for his country and and take his place among the the all time greats because that's always the argument against Lionel Messi. He hasn't won anything with Argentina. He's not Maradona because he hasn't willed them to a championship, Copa America, World Cup, whatever. I think it's a ridiculous argument in terms of his all-time status because it's not just him. It does fall to his teammates as well. But that's the argument. So if we want to put that to rest, if, if, you, if you think that Lionel Messi is one of the best players of all time or, or perhaps the best player of all time, in order for that argument to go away from the people who say, oh, well, he hasn't done it with Argentina, then this is the Copa America for him to do it. At the height of his powers right now. And any more, like another cycle into the World Cup 2018, okay. But another, you know, Copa America, again, so, sort of whenever they want to throw one. Because there's one in 2017, right? It was supposed to be one next year here. We know that. Maybe not happening. But there definitely is one in 2017 already scheduled, correct? Or maybe they haven't put that together. Again, they seem to do it like willy-nilly. Like, uh, hey, feeling like having a Copa this year? Okay. I'll get my boys and uh, we'll pick some stadiums and go have some fun. Seems to be the case. All right. You guys seem to be done. So I will take my leave as well. Good show today. Jonathan Tannewell talking about the Women's World Cup. Good stuff. And again, go check out his uh, World Cup special, his Women's World Cup special on backheel.com. Uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter at the goalkeeper. He's doing excellent work up in Canada, Canada, sorry, whatever, and, uh, and is worth a follow uh, all tournament long. Go to backheel.com slash store, buy yourself a soccer morning mug. I got a t-shirt on from backheel.com slash store. Uh, the baller shirt. Uh, that's my boy Chuck Blazer right there with CONCACAF on the knuckles. Yeah, repping CONCACAF. Go to uh, 3NLFC.com to buy a t-shirt that says Soccer Morning on it. Those are cool as well. What am I missing? Anything? Rabble.tv on Friday. SoccerMorning.net. That's it. I'm out.